Don't ask me for directions. I'm just a tourist. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. I have a relative who can't go into a hardware store without being approached and asked for assistance. He just looks like he works there. Well, what about us? Do we fit into this corrupt two-dimensional landscape a little too well? We've talked recently about being peculiar as a group of people. The Apostle Peter has some advice on standing out as individuals. We're to be not just different, but honorable. Here's Jim. 1 Peter chapter 2, please, for our thoughts this morning from the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 2. This morning we are focusing upon the theme that the people of God are honorable. Honorable. Now, you would expect that, wouldn't you? You would expect that people who claim to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ live lives that are honorable, that are worthy of respect and honor, that uh, generate a sense of of, um, appreciation and value in the hearts of people around them. That's the kind of people we ought to be. That's what God wants for us. And that's Peter's burden as he writes these words in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice but as bondservants of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Ooh, good advice for an election year. (laughs) As as the mud flies and half-truths are spun to make... um, as vicious things are said and whole multi-million dollar driven campaigns are designed to stir up within you and within me wrong kinds of emotions and attitudes. When powerful people try to divide us over issues that are political, social, personal. Thanks, Pete, for reminding us this morning that we have a higher calling. 
We are the people of God. In the passage before us, Peter is talking to Christians who are under the heat. They're under the gun. The whole purpose of 1 Peter seems to be to send words of encouragement to Christians who are being persecuted. They're scattered. They're, they're planted. They're moved by God out to various parts of the Roman Empire where the Christian faith was new. The lifestyle that flowed out of this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ was distinctive and different. The tendency of the Christian to whom Peter is writing is to try to mollify or to dumb down those differences and kind of blend into the society around them. Why? Because it was less painful, because it was easier, because there wasn't the stare or the criticism or the rejection that comes anytime you step out of harmony with the society and the culture around you. Peter reminds them in verse 11 of 1 Peter chapter 2, he reminds them, you are sojourners and pilgrims. Two incredible words. The, the one word means that you're passing through. You're a sojourner. You're, a, you're a, a traveler. You're a tourist. You're not part of the society where you have settled. You're a pilgrim. You're there temporary. Your, your purpose there is not to settle down, establish roots, uh, but rather you're you're, you're, you're there on temporary assignment. As I thought about this message in light of my own experience, I thought what a natural illustration to use about my trip to Africa. It uh, was my plan to go with both of our two sons, Dan and Tim, and uh, help in a ministry in uh, the Central African Republic. Now, I was not going to Africa to settle down and stay. My wife would stay here. Uh, their wives and children would remain here. We would just be going there on a temporary visa. We had to guarantee the government that we wouldn't take jobs there. We, <laughs> we wouldn't engage in commerce uh, so that the government would give us a visa permitting us to go. Our purpose for going there was to try to help to encourage other believers African brothers and sisters. So we would be pilgrims there. And I thought, what a natural bridge. What a beautiful way to illustrate, perhaps, this idea that though you are a citizen of the United States and though you live in central Ohio, wherever you live, you're there by divine assignment. You're, you're here on a visa. You are a pilgrim, a sojourner. It's hard for us Americans to get that picture because we have grown up in a culture that says that America is a Christian nation. Therefore, the things that flow to us from the culture of America must be, in some sense, Christianized and therefore somewhat harmless, like the big event that's going to be on top of us here in just a couple of hours. Surely such a big event of that, so thoroughly part of the culture of the United States, surely that must be 
you know, Christian in some sense or another. And therefore, in a way, harmless. And as American citizens, I kind of had a, have a responsibility to participate in it. See, it's culture. It's, it's American, and America is a Christian nation. Or the whole idea of the vote, the whole idea of the political process. You know, I am a citizen. I have a vote. I have a responsibility for determining government. I have a privilege to cast my, my vote. Therefore, that must be somehow Christian, and, and therefore I have to choose sides. Therefore, I have to ha see what happens. And it's not long until you and I are thinking and acting and behaving just like our neighbors who make no profession of faith in Jesus Christ. I was fascinated this week uh, in my reading. Look, how many of you remember Charles E. Fuller? Let me see your hands. Ah, yes, I'm among friends. Charles E. Fuller was a, a layman, really, who taught the Bible on a weekly broadcast old-fashioned revival hour. And uh, Dr. Fuller one Sunday announced on the radio that the following Sunday he would be preaching on heaven. He's going to talk about heaven next Sunday, he said. And during that week, a listener sent this marvelous letter. Let me read you the letter. Quote, Next Sunday, Dr. Fuller, you're going to talk about heaven. I'm interested in that land because I have held a clear title to a bit of that property there for over 55 years. I did not buy it. It was given to me without money and without price. But the donor purchased it for me at tremendous sacrifice. I'm not holding it for speculation since the title is not transferable. It is not a vacant lot. For more than half a century, I have been sending materials out of which the greatest architect and builder of the universe has been building a home for me which will never need to be remodeled or repaired because it will suit me perfectly, individually, and will never grow old or rot. Termites can never undermine its foundation for it rests on the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. No locks nor bolts will ever be placed upon its doors, for no vicious person can ever enter that land where my dwelling stands. Now almost completed and almost ready for me to enter and abide in peace eternally without fear of being rejected. Oh, there is a valley of deep shadow between the place where I live in California and that to which I shall journey in a very short time. I cannot reach my home in that city of gold without passing through this dark valley of shadows. But I'm not afraid, because the best friend I ever had went through the same valley long, long ago. He drove away all its gloom. He has stuck by me through thick and thin since we first became acquainted 55 years ago, and I hold his promise in printed form, quote, never to forsake me or leave me alone, end of quote. He will be there with me as I walk through the valley of shadows, and I shall not lose my way when he is at my side. I hope to hear your sermon on heaven next Sunday from my home in Los Angeles, California, but I have no assurance that I shall be able to do so. My ticket to heaven has no date marked for the journey, no return coupon, and no permit for baggage. Yes, I am all ready to go, and I may not be here while you're talking next Sunday about heaven, but I shall meet you there someday soon.
end of quote. See, this, the writer of that letter understood that uh, he, she, was a pilgrim sojourner. They had come to peace with their true destiny, who they were. Now, now Peter, earlier in this, in this same marvelous epistle in chapter 1, he had told the people he's writing to, these people he called pilgrims and sojourners, look, look at it, chapter 1 and verse 3. He has said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. The apostle Peter was writing to people who were pilgrims and sojourners, not because they were hallucinating, <laughs> not because they were wishing but they had a rock-solid guarantee of an inheritance that was theirs, an inheritance that was being kept for them in heaven while they were being kept by God for that inheritance on earth. My friend, you had that assurance this morning. Is heaven a real place for you? Are you absolutely certain, more certain than... Anything else about you that when this life is over, you're headed for sure to a home called heaven, in heaven, and nothing, absolutely nothing can separate you from that God who provided it and that heaven that awaits for you there. Are you sure? Peter writes that we might know that we have eternal life, that our expectation of heaven is solid, unmovable, unshakable. Because you see, you don't earn it. You don't keep it. You don't buy it. It's a gift. It's an inheritance. It's something God gives to you and to me through someone else who purchases it for us. And that someone is Jesus. And in order to purchase my salvation, my eternal life, and guarantee me a home in heaven, he went to the cross and died a death in my place that I could not die for myself. He did the same thing for you. And if you will receive him as your Lord and Savior and commit yourself to him, he will come into your heart and life, cancel the debt of your sin. Mark as paid in full all the judgment of God against you for all that you have done and all that you will do that violates God's holy command. And you can leave this auditorium saying, I know that I'm a pilgrim, I'm a sojourner. Peter recognized that when you come to believe and to understand that salvation in heaven is a gift of God, that you don't earn it. He understood that, that that takes an enormous burden off your back. <laughs> I was reading this week about, uh, about the, uh, 
the background for the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther, and one of the things that Martin Luther was against was selling of indulgences. Now, the reason they were selling indulgences was that the Pope wanted to raise a lot of money to build a huge cathedral there in Rome. And the way he went about doing it was to, to give special permission to some monks to go around saying, you know, your father is in hell right now, and he is suffering tremendously, and, and if you will pay me this amount of money, uh, we'll get your dad out of there. That sound like a good deal? Well, it went on to say, if you don't want to go there, if you want to bypass purgatory and go to heaven, then pay this much and we'll guarantee that you'll go directly to heaven. Sound like a good deal? Well, people thought it was a good deal, so they would buy it up. And Mr. Luther uh, said, that's not right, that's not biblical, and he was opposed to that selling of indulgences. The whole idea that uh, for you to go to heaven, you've got to take part in this celebration, whether it's a mass or any other religious thing, gives the church or the people behind that enormous control over your life. Because you see, those people know that the most important thing that bothers you and me is where we're going to spend eternity. They know that. And if they can wiggle their way into a relationship where they can hold that over you, then they can make lots of money from you. Such a vile, filthy, unbiblical system. But see, the moment I tell you that, <laughs> that you can be saved to go to heaven of all your sins forgiven and be a stranger and a pilgrim here in this life and know for sure you're going to heaven and nothing can separate you from that, what, what's the danger there? Well, you may act like a wild man. I mean, you may act without restraint. You may do some things, make some choices that are not good at all. And no one has the power over you to say, you do that again, and you're going to burn in hell. Because you know better than that. And that, that's what, that was Peter's concern. He says here in chapter 2, he says in verse 16, as free, that is, we who are Christians are free. We are indeed free. We don't have to earn our salvation, and nothing can separate us from the grace of God. So we're free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice. What's that mean? Well, that means don't use the security that you have in your heart as an excuse to then live like the dogs or the devil now. That's what that says. That's saying behind the shield of your total, absolute conviction that heaven is your home and you're going there and it's yours as a gift from God, don't use that as a license to then behave badly. Our faith suffers because some people who profess to be Christians do live like the devil and boast about it. Their attitude is that since their heaven is for sure for them, they can live as they please now. It really doesn't matter. They can, they can be vile. They can be, they, 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 they are free to do whatever they want to do and still go to heaven. 
Peter says, that's a violation of trust. Because you see, in this world, there are real dangers. Real dangers. In preparing to go to Africa, I got a whole bunch of shots. And uh, I have medicine that I will have to take because in Africa, the mosquitoes have the capacity to give you some bad diseases. Malaria, yellow fever, and a whole bunch of other things that I've learned in studying. And it's a very real danger. And I wasn't born in Africa, didn't grow up, so I don't have any immunity against those things. I'm, uh, when the mosquitoes see me get off the plane, they're licking their lips and saying, hmm, hmm, that looks delicious. Big, fat, white American. Hmm. Now, since I know that's in their minds, I need to take some precautions, right? And I would have taken some precautions. I can't go to Africa this trip. My father will require my staying here in the States while my two sons go and the rest of the team go and serve. I apologize to them and to you, but that's the decision that I must make. Had I been going to Africa, however, I would have taken medicine and then when I arrived in Africa, I wouldn't have looked over at those fat, grinning mosquitoes and said, come on guys, give me your best shot. Not at all. I would wear long sleeves. I would put on bug repellent. I would avoid the marshy areas. I would do a number of things designed to shield myself from the obvious danger that the mosquitoes and malaria brings to me. Now, Christian friend, this world is full of mosquitoes with very deadly diseases that they bring. Peter is saying to the Christians of the first century and to us today, don't put yourself in positions of risk. Keeping your behavior honorable among the Gentiles. Other translations render this honest, seemly, or excellent. We don't want to be ugly tourists. We want to leave a good impression of what the people are like where we come from. Jim's message is, the people of God are honorable. As always, for a gift of $7 or more, we'll send you a CD containing the complete sermon. There are 17 talks bundled together under the banner, The People of God. You can get the whole set on CD for an offering of $59 or more. We're honored to have a number of you working with us on Right Start. Some are praying, some are giving to help cover the expenses. You're obviously not doing it for fame or earthly rewards. You're expecting something better. And we believe you're right about that. Thank you for joining us on this mission. To become part of the ministry, click to our website, rightstartradio.org. There you can bring the radio show to your phone every day, no matter where you are, by subscribing to our podcast hosted on iTunes. Or you can play or download complete sermons by Pastor Jim or play the radio programs with just a click right there on our site. 
You can donate securely, and we hope you'll consider doing that. Once again, it's rightstartradio.org. Or mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Or call 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. Peter tells us to keep our nose clean. That's a saying you don't hear much anymore. Apparently, we need some instruction on being good tourists. Let's talk about it tomorrow on the next episode of Right Start. Thank you.